Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolinas underground music scene. I have. Good. Do you are, are you doing video chat or just doing like audio? Uh, let me get video too. Hold on. It, it don't matter. I was just there. We are. <laughs> no, we're I good. just I just knew if you were doing if you were doing video, I wasn't seeing anything. So I told you I suck at technology. <laughs> Trust me, you shouldn't let me do anything with computers. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd much rather prefer to do this in person, and, and that's part of the reason why I haven't gotten to you yet. Well, part of the reason was because I know Levi hit me up pretty early on and wanted to do something. So that's because Levi likes to talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also he also wanted to shine a spotlight on on some of the bands from the scene that he used to be in, and so oh nice. So when he told me that, I was like, well, I've got the great the perfect idea. Um, yeah. So it really worked well for me to do that with him, and then I was like, well, I want to put a little bit of space between that and when I get to Tiff and when I get to John and everything. And plus, when this all started happening, I mean, really, I, I prefer to do these in person. It's fun that way. You can kind of play off each other in person. Yeah, and that's why I like the video chat helps. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not required. I did one with John Bowman from War Boys. We we did it just with audio, um, and it worked okay. When this started, I was like, "Well, this sucks for the podcast because you know I'm not going to be able to interview anybody." And then I was like, "Well, no, actually, you know, if I can do it like via Skype, as long as that works." And the very first one, I was very reluctant. I just didn't think it was going to work that well at all, and it, and it did. It worked okay. This has actually been good for the podcast, but I, I would still much rather do. Every single one of these in person. Well, we can do another one later on. I'm oh, sure will. I'll have more stuff to say. Definitely, because <laughs> one of my ideas is that that after I have, like, you know, maybe get John on and have him tell his story, talk about, you know, the bands he's been in and stuff, and, and you know, maybe do Jason as well. I, I want to, at some point in the middle of all that, I want to do a, a whole band episode where, like, I get you guys yeah, together. Yeah, told us that. We get together and we just we just talk about whatever, you know, talk about what, you know, Tell no, no anger control stories or just the things that we just talk about on, on a normal basis. It can be whatever. Exactly. So how are you doing? I'm good. I miss band practice. And uh, as we have talked about, I haven't seen my boys since March 11th. Yeah. And uh, I think John's a little bit more freaked out about this. Um, he's been working in the hospital, so he's got a little bit more inside yeah. info. And he's been talking about how they've been having to train doctors and uh, extra nurses for the ICU that yeah. aren't normally in there, so that's kind of freaky. I don't know. We've been we've been writing new stuff. I've been working on my book. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, the other day. I'm, I'm I'm very. Oh my god, dude! I'm so excited. Like, because my degree is in child development. I love kids. As weird mm. as that sounds, <laughs> like 
You know, I'm in a nanny position right now. I just got hired for a new nanny job, and then this happened. Yeah. Literally like a week after I got hired. I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to use my ability to write, and I've got horrible anxiety, and that's what the book's going to help kids with. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. stoked about that. I've always talked about writing a children's book, too. I think everybody talks about it at one point. But I you, Well, you know what? Four and a half chapters in, I'm actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why it's awesome that you're actually doing it because every I, I told myself years ago, I'm like, oh, I can do this, and I just you never, did. I just never did it. And I had I had like a little bit of an idea, and I never did anything with it. But like, I might still do it someday. I just I don't you have could. time. I don't even have time to do the stuff that I do now. <laughs> Trust me, I understand. The only reason I'm able to start this was because of COVID. Yeah, like I have the extra time to sit down and write because. I do Instacart on top of still working for my nanny family. Like, I still help because yeah. the the mom is considered legally blind, so I help her when the kids aren't around, too. Yeah. Yeah, Instacart's been real weird. It got real heavy and loaded down, and then all of a sudden, it's like nothing. Because yeah. I hired on, like, five times the amount of workers, and now there's nothing. Yeah. So nobody can get anything, and I'm like, great. <laughs> Well, that's like even where I work, you know, we got really, really busy for a little while. And then Mm -hmm. like this past week, it's kind of died down a little bit and and they keep talking about hiring more people. I'm like, no, we're not hiring anybody else yet. Why would you? I know. I was like, I'm making good good money right now. If you hire more people, I'm not going to make good money. No, let's don't do it. (laughs) I was making like 25 bucks an hour with Instacart for like a hot minute there. I was doing real good. And then all of a sudden it was like crickets. And I was like. Everybody lost their minds, got all their groceries, and now they don't need any. Well, now people have decided they can go out themselves, which, you know, at some point we've got to do that anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. But when I go out, I don't see people wearing masks, and that bothers me. Yeah, my aunt made some for me. I've got five, so mm-hmm. for like almost every day of the work week, I got a mask. <laughs> and they're washable, they're reusable. It's like the quilter's cotton, so it's yeah. actually really cool. Yeah. I've got a few, yeah. you know, I've got some reusable ones. I've got, I've got a handful of, of disposable ones and we, at work, we can get a disposable one if we want it, but they gave, they've given us reusable ones. That's that good. Somewhere. That's good that they're helping you out. Cause Instacart, Instacart, so they were going to send us like a package with like stuff. I ordered over a month ago. I just got the email yesterday saying they're fine. going to send it. I was like, cool guys. So helpful right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. I needed this. I needed this a while back. <laughs> I know, right? Thank God, my aunt was like, "Hey, let me help you out," or I wouldn't have had anything. Yeah. Because there's actually stores. I don't know what it's like in Charlotte, and I don't know what it's like in Gastonia or any areas outside of Mooresville because I'm pretty much stuck here. Yeah. But there's some stores that require you to have masks on. Yeah, I haven't like been. Like Foods does. Yeah, I haven't been into any yet. I live in Kings Mountain, so I'm just like a little bit on the other side of of Gas. You're like, you see, we're we're just like Mooresville's just busy enough that they worry about some stuff, but yeah. we're still not Charlotte, obviously. So. Yeah, I mean, still here. I think we've got we're up to nine cases in Kings Mountain right now, or in ours. I think we had the most um, in Iredell County. I feel like my mom told me it was like twenty some, and I was like, "How many was there in Charlotte?" And I was like, "I'm good." Yeah. <laughs> like I'll take that twenty some over the like hundreds there. I'm like I'm good. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those times that I'm kind of glad. I, there's times when I think, man, I really wish I lived in Charlotte, so I was closer to everything. Yeah, now you're glad. Mm-hmm. This is one of those times that I'm like, man, I'm so glad I don't live in Charlotte right now. Well, I used to when I moved here, I lived in South Charlotte, so yeah. I'm like, I'm glad I don't. <laughs> I'm really glad I don't. I'd like to be a little closer eventually, but for right now, I'm 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 cool with where I'm at. Mooresville's pretty good because depending on where I'm going in Charlotte, like milestone twenty some minutes, yeah. not bad. When I lived in South Charlotte, it's how long it took me to get over to like Common Market in that area. So I was like, 
Same difference. Yeah. Except I get to look at a lake every night. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I come from, from Kings Mountain. It's about 30 minutes to the Milestone. But Milestone is just, that's, yeah. that's an easy trip. I hop in the car and I'm at the Milestone. But when I go to like I know, I anywhere like, like Plaza Midwood, it's it's a little bit more of a hassle to get there. Yeah. That's just because of, I think that's 277, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that and just, you know, tra- additional traffic. It's just, you know, the Milestone seems like such an easy trip that whenever I go to Tommy's, and I love to go to Tommy's, but I yes. get there and I'm like, when I, when I go to leave, it's like, oh, crap. Now I got to... It's like 45 minutes I know, minutes I gotta home. go through this again. That, that extra 15 <laughs> minutes makes a difference. <laughs> but I'm very kind of glad I don't live in Charlotte because I, I hate dealing with traffic too, so. Oh, man. I like your setup there. Do I see uh, James Brown behind you? Yeah, that's uh, that's James Brown up there. He's uh, he, he's like supposed that. to sing and, and dance. He doesn't have batteries right now, but even when he does, he's he's got a few movements that don't, like his mouth doesn't move. I, he's, he's old. I, you know, you... You said something about my first bands, and the reason I think I noticed that is I used to do a cover of James Brown with one of my bands, Get On Up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you imagine that as a punk song? <laughs> well, I don't, was. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can. I'm, I'm, I can sort of imagine it, I guess. But I know that even like when we got into punk rock, James Brown was always, we loved James uh, Brown. Yes. I mean, still love James Brown, but James Brown was yes. like, you can't fuck with James Brown. <laughs> so uh, we're like 16 minutes in, and I'm talking to Tiff Tantrum. And I'll probably cut a lot of that out. Some some of that'll be cut out. So it'll, it'll that's cut cool. You should cut out. a lot of that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you sing for for no anger control. I don't think I really need to say that, but I might as well say yeah. that. Yeah, scream for them. You know, yell where, a little bit. Where Where are you originally from, Tiff? So I was born in Fort Lauderdale, um, okay. plantation area. It was funny too. My bass player in my first band, like what I consider my first real band, apparently his grandparents lived like a few blocks away from me. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't meet each other until college, but I mean, I was only there for the first four years of my life. There was there was a lot of um, issues because I would have been obviously early '80s. Like I was born in '83, and so we moved probably around '87, closer to '88. I had just turned yeah. four. I got real mad. My mom told me it was my birthday present. You should never tell a kid that when they don't want it. <laughs> I was really, really not cool with that response. And uh, but I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of drug stuff going on in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah. We, my parents were teachers, and obviously teachers don't get paid that well. Mm. And we lived in a, a pretty crappy neighborhood because of that. And. There was literally people coming up to my brother, like, trying to offer him drugs, like, in our front yard. My parents yeah. were like, we're good. Time to leave. Yeah, yeah. Brought us to North Carolina. Moved to uh, Conover, North Carolina, okay. right outside of Hickory. Yeah. Because people know Hickory. And uh, that's where I grew up. Yeah. I was there from about 4 to 18, and then I was like, i got to get the hell out of here. I, I went off to college. Uh, my, my mom kind of was pushing the in-state, so I was like... Where's the furthest school I can go that's in state? Yeah. So that like they couldn't just like pop up because they're trying to get me to go to App, which that was like 45 minutes away from where I was growing yeah, up. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> like they would be like middle of the day, and all of a sudden I'd knock on the door, and there's my mom. No offense, <laughs> you see this mom, I love you, but that would have sucked for a college student. So I went to ECU. Okay. ECU is everything they say it is. Yeah. It's everything they say it is. I mean. You know, that was like, they were featured in Playboy a lot, and you'd, yeah. you'd walk through campus, and it'd be like these gorgeous girls, and you're like, I'm this, like, weirdo, like, <laughs> listening to punk, <laughs> like, I don't know if I belong here, but then I got to know the art students, so I was like, yeah, I belong here. Yeah. <laughs> Before that, so you, so you said you were into punk rock already at that time, I guess. I was, now, it's funny, because my, now, I grew up mostly on, like, Motown, and, mm-hmm. like, 50s, 60s kind of stuff, because, yeah. I mean, I could go obscuro stuff like Bubble Puppy 
Or I could say stuff like Buddy Holly, because, you know, I, I was listening. My dad loved Buddy Holly. Yeah. So I grew up on a lot of Same stuff here. like that. The Who, you know. But then my dad would throw in the Talking Heads. Yeah. Or Blondie. Or Joan Jett. And he even he had, like, the Sex Pistols and stuff. And I didn't even realize I was listening to punk. Like, yeah. especially, like, Talking Heads and stuff like that. Because they're kind of, you know, they can go a little couple different ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but these are, like, originals from CBGBs. I don't even know if my dad realized that. He's got great taste in music, though. But yeah. it probably wasn't... I'm, I mean, I, I was listening to probably more, like, The Who and The Kinks and stuff like that for mm. a long time. Right before college, I think I was actually going through a phase where... <laughs> if you saw me, you probably would have thought I was a hippie. That's the funny part. I was going to a lot of thrift at, stores. At that age, I was the same way. I had long hair. I listened to, you know, I wore yeah. Janice, Janice Joplin t-shirts yes, and, and yeah. Jim Morrison and stuff like that. I was really into that, but that also was what led me to punk rock. So It is, <laughs> and that's because, you know, that's why I was alluding to, like, talking heads and stuff like that were kind of like... You have that intro, and then it spills over. Mm-hmm. And then I, I actually mentioned something um, when I, I did a video for my dad's Father's Day thing. I had to, like, dust his music collection because my parents made me do chores because that's what parents do. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> that's when I discovered that he had the Sex Pistols, and it was never mind the Bullocks, obviously. Oh, wow. But yeah. I couldn't. I was, like, eight or nine. And I remember I'm, like, staring at his CD, and I'm staring at it, and I'm, like, it's a sex on it. I remember just like being like, why does my dad have this? Because, you know, I've been listening to stuff like Buddy Holly. Yeah. And, the Who. and then I didn't realize at that time that bands like The Who and Led Zeppelin and some of these bands, I didn't realize what they were like. Yeah. You know, and then later on, I always say, I see their documentary. It's like, never mind. They're just a bad fuck <laughs> bands. They're all, they're all freaking crazy. You're in music. You're freaking crazy. But um, it was probably not until my sophomore year of college that I got real, real heavy into punk. Yeah. Um, I went through, and a lot of people know this, so I don't mind saying this. I, I went through rape and abuse my freshman year of college. Yeah. And it really tore me up, and it everything that I had been before then became something different. Yeah. And I, I think the guy that I met after that, he's a little bit older. I would have been 19 at the time. I feel like he was like 27, 28. He was a snowboarder, like worked at the skate shop in Raleigh that Bam had come through, Bam Margera had come through. He was with Volcom at the time, so this dude was rolling to Volcom, and they had, like, Valiant Thor was signed to them. You had all these punk bands coming through, and he was into some old-school stuff and got me real into it, like, real into it. And that's when I remember being like, this is how I'm going to face all the shit I've been through. Yeah. Like, I was real upset, and I didn't know where to place it, and then I started getting introduced to, like, the Dead Boys. Yeah. Television. You know, like, older stuff, like Richard Hell, and different bands like that, mm. and so that was actually my lead-in. I loved 77 Punk. That was what, you know, and the Ramones I had discovered before this. I did know the Ramones 
because my parents, especially my dad, liked the Ramones because I had that 50s, 60s kind of like rock and roll sound. Yeah. I mean, they covered the bird as the word, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> so that, that I did know, but I had never actually seen Joey Ramone. Yeah. I've listened to him for so long, and I remember this guy that I was seeing, he was real into him, and he showed me some pictures, and I remember looking at Joey Ramone and being like, that? That's the guy I've been listening to? Like, I was like, what a freaking weirdo. And I remember that was when it hit me, so about 19, that's when it hit me, I could do this. Yeah. I was like, people, I was like, dude, he was idolized. I'm like, look at this. His name was Jeffrey Hyman. I'm like, your last name is Hyman. Yeah. Like, you were just like the, you were the butt of jokes. You were obviously like, you know, in the midst of everything. And he was, he was a weirdo. I was a weirdo. And after I had been through all that stuff my freshman year, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm mad. Now what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. And then I met a lot of, so there this is something I've probably never said to anybody outside of my friends. Yeah. There was a site at ECU that was similar to Facebook. It was okay. called Party ECU, Party yeah. East Carolina. And my friend Evan actually started it, and it was before Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it would let you find out where, like, parties were happening, and, like, you could find people that were kind of, like, in your same social group. Yeah. And I would go out to parties through it, and I met all these kids through it, and I met, like... I met this kid, Anthony. We're still friends. And I remember that was the kid where I was like, I could be in a band with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he was a bass player. And I met this uh, this girl, Emily, who was a guitar player. And we were going out to parties and hanging out. And they were, like, kind of messing around with bands. And we started this band in a basement. So it been by my senior year. So I was 21. We started this band, and we were playing in the basement of one of the dorms. And uh, we went through, like, 30 drummers at the time. Like, you know how it is with drummers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, try- we're trying to, like, we- we'd find a drummer, and we would like him, and then, oh, I don't have time for this. I have a girlfriend. Or <laughs> they would start to play, and we'd be like, no, no, this is the right sound. Yeah. And it was me and another singer. We were called Glass House, worst name ever. I don't even remember how that happened. And, um, yeah, I was playing with Anthony and this girl Emily at the time, and they were the ones that I would later start bands with. Glasshouse, I never played with them. Yeah. I actually ended up quitting. I was I was kind of hanging out with the lead singer. Yeah. He still had a girlfriend, told me he didn't. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take people in your bands. Don't take people in your bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- luckily, I've never run into that problem. I've, but I've only, yeah, ever, right? I've only ever well, been I mean, in a band with... You and Eric never went out on a date to me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Eric, is, Eric is my hetero life mate, so... You know, I knew it. <laughs> But I've only ever been in a band with with the member of the opposite sex once, and, and there was no attraction there. So, but I know that that's a trap that people fall into, and it never oh. it never leads to anything good, or very rarely does, I should say. Oh, I know for a fact because <laughs> it affected me in other bands. I never learned from my lesson. People would always like compare us to Fleetwood Mac, and I was like, Oh no, we're not like that. Totally like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I am definitely like that. <laughs> So yeah, you mentioned like the Ramones, and so my introduction to the Ramones was through Rock and Roll High School, the, the movie. So yes. I actually was introduced to them with the visual, and so I knew Rocky. from from a young kid that that you know, as an outsider, I always I, and I just got finished writing an article for the Zine, and it's about um, the Milestone Club, and in it I talk about how I've always been attracted to outsider music, and that's just anything just strange, and that goes back to you know to Weird Al, and and that's that's about yes. the most mainstream example I can put out there. But I've always been attracted to anything that's outside the mainstream and the Ramones seeing them at a young age and going, 
yeah, those guys are weird. And they, and they played rock and music. And it wasn't something that resonated with me until years later, you know, on a bigger scale. But it was it was it was a good way to be introduced to and and to let me know that, you know, I was not alone. I was a little bit of a weirdo, but I was not alone. <laughs> there was something else out there for me. See, and that's the great thing about the Ramones, and I think it, they're, they're a band that's a little bit easier to get into, because i got to be honest with you, some of the bands that kind of, like, pushed me more into punk, like, and people are going to talk junk about this, but I was, in the 90s, that's when I was growing up, that's when you had, like, Blink-182, Green yeah. Day, like, all these bands, I love and Green they Day. all loved the Ramones, and yeah. they, you know, because Green Day even covered Outsider, yeah. and they do a sick cover oh, of yeah. it. And I just remember being like, all right, okay, and like Offspring, stuff like that. And I would like kind of follow into them, and that's what actually led me to the Ramones because I heard Outsider by Green Day, Yeah. and I can't even remember what year, because I was in middle school, mm-hmm. and I remember just being like, dang, man, this is really good. And then I heard the Ramones, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, these guys do it better. Yeah. And I was like, but see, that's why when people hate on bands like Green Day or like Blink-182 or like Eve 6 or anything like that, you need to remember that for a lot of kids, especially like '90s kids, yeah, that's what opened the door. That's what, oh. like, you know, because they were inspired by bands like the Ramones, and they would yeah. they would talk about it. They would have it like I when MySpace existed, they would have mm-hmm. like you could put your influences, and all those bands would always put the Ramones. Yeah, oh, yeah. all of them. Yeah, but you talk about that, like the Green Day being a big thing for for bands at that time when. Back then, when we were in a band called The Accidents at the time, and all of a sudden, when Green Day came out, there were a whole bunch of bands of like 16, like 16, 17, 18-year-old kids that came out. And exactly. it wasn't long before they were like talking shit about Green Day. And I'm like, dude, Green Day's the reason you're here. Green it Day is. are bad as hell, and you got to recognize that. Don't don't sit there and diss them just because they're mainstream. It don't matter yeah. anymore, man. It don't matter. <laughs> Hey, they made it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How many of us can say that? Yeah. But I mean, they're the reason so many bands popped up around that time, and True. and for the for the fact that those bands like sort of turned their backs on them, a lot of them did just because of the mainstream I success. I won't ever try. I love them. I still. I, I, I love I, Green Day. I, I still love Green Day. I don't really care for the last album they put out, but it doesn't it doesn't no. change my opinion of them. I still love them. Those bands could turn their backs on. That doesn't matter. They're the reason why those bands existed at that time. And they're the reason why a lot of people that that are still playing music today, they're the reason why a lot of those people were playing music in the first place. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, that even makes me think of, like, if I really, really was to think about what first made me think, huh, I'm interested in being like that, Cindy Lauper. Yeah. (laughs) I saw her in a music video, and I would have been so young. I'm sure it was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And, you know, the way she was dressed and her yeah. hair, I remember just being like, that is so cool. And it's like, people probably don't think of her as punk, but that woman is punk. Like, she oh, yeah. does not. If you've seen her recently, she's got purple mohawk. Yeah. Now. She's awesome. <laughs> and she's still beautiful. I, I, I love Cindy She Lover. is. She's <clears throat> gorgeous. And that voice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Of she's course, so she had a song in Goonies. How could you hate someone that has a song in Goonies? <laughs> well, and you were talking about that earlier about your dad's collection and, and the stuff that he mm. liked. And we were talking about, you talked about talking heads and bands like that. And so I feel very lucky to have grown up, to have have really fallen in love with music during that era, because a lot of those bands that were mainstream really did have those punk rock roots. They did. And so I think that the transition for me was really natural when I got older and realized what punk rock really was. 
Yep. Um, and all those bands still are very important to me. And Cindy Lauper is one. She was never really punk rock with her music, but she had that punk rock look. And as it's a kid, attitude. yeah, that as attitude. a kid, I love that look too. And and I remember dressing up like uh, doing punk rock for Halloween one year, and I took it seriously, man. I I really wanted to look the part. <laughs> <laughs> she would have definitely given you some tips on that, man. Like that woman, it, it's awesome. I think. Mainly, it was because, it, to me, it was the first female I'd ever seen that really looked like that. Yeah. So I didn't really find bands like the Slits and stuff like that until later on. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that it was that way, but it was all like bands that I found, you know, like Ramones, Dead Boys, like male-fronted bands. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just because I, you know, I've never seen myself as a female fronting a band, just a musician. But it's really cool to be a female in punk rock because there's been moments where I've stood in a room and they call the bands in. Like we played Motorco once when I was still in Raleigh. They called all of us into the room and it was like four bands playing. And I looked around and I was the only female in the room. Yeah. And I remember just being like, man, this is kind of weird. Like, you know, so I think that's when I started to look for more bands like that to see these females who are like, we can do this just as well. Yeah. But Cindy Lauper opened the that, that's who opened the door for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I also want to just you know throw the Go Go's out there. They were a punk, oh, they God, were a yeah. punk rock band that was their that was, original that was stuff. The, like mainstream. you listen to their original stuff. Yeah. Like in the like you see some of the documentaries people talked about touring with them. They were really hard. Yeah. Like the, and it, like some of the stuff like on their best of you'll hear some of the like deep cuts and it's like ooh yeah like it's some good stuff right. <laughs> all that stuff i i just love the fact that i grew up with that and it, that, that music still like i i i've ripped off the go-go's for van huskins so you know hey, that just shows how much of an influence they are <laughs> they're well you know another one i would uh, go to say that kind of has that touch is pretenders i was oh, yeah, always yeah. really into chrissy hine yep. you know she had a deeper voice like i do so that kind of helps oh god yeah. knows she and 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 they you know she she was it was i feel like it was her who she wanted to stay in England, and she was going to marry Sid Vicious. Yeah. <laughs> and he got thrown into jail the day that they were supposed to, like, get up together. And, like, so it never happened, but she legit was going to do that to stay in England because she was hanging out with that crew. Yeah. That was, like, Susie from Susie and the Banshees. You know, like, their first album, like, Hong Kong Garden mm-hmm. stuff like that was, like, real punk. Oh, yeah. And you'll see, like, old videos of, like, the Sex Pistols, and you'll see her in the background with that makeup. I used to copy that makeup. Yeah, because I would see that and be like, "Ooh, I like that!" <laughs> like the bars across the face and the like, the kind of spiked up hair in the front and like almost like a faux hawk, but not a faux hawk. Like, yeah. I, I got a, I've got a bootleg Susie record that, that <sighs> I bought at Repo years and years what and is years it? ago. It's got just a bunch of old, old, early, real early stuff <sighs> on it. You know, I'll have to love that. I'll have to digitize it and send you a copy of it. Now, 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 now that I've got this all set up to where I can do it pretty well. Oh, my so. God. I would love, you know, because I actually started on stuff like Hong Kong Garden and yeah. things like that. Or like the, the Rosillos. Yeah. I think this has got like demo versions of a lot of that early stuff. It's, it's, That's it's, cool. It, but it's something I picked up at Repo Record back when I started going in the you know early Of course 90s. it was Repo. I love that. <laughs> I love that. They used to have a lot of. I don't. I don't. I haven't paid attention to it lately. But they used to have a lot of bootlegs back then, and I don't know that they have a whole lot anymore. But like Led Zeppelin bootlegs, out the ass, you could get them all day long. <laughs> uh, Misfits bootlegs, you know, pretty much any punk band, any classic rock band, you know, or bigger punk band, they had bootlegs by. And you that just don't makes find sense, like that man. <laughs> and I think that's like if if you can reach the level of having bootlegs made of your music, yeah. 
People you know, like you. That, that's that's a good thing. <laughs> that's like having somebody cover your song. When you reach that level, exactly. that's, it doesn't matter if you've ever achieved any big success. If somebody, if somebody covers yep. your song, that's like, that's the ultimate compliment. Uh-huh. I agree. Yep. I agree. So I always like Weird Al. When people get upset when he would cover their stuff, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like the biggest compliment no, you could no. ever get. He loved you so much that he wants to make a weird song out of your song. Well, I think Kurt Cobain said that that's when he knew that they had made it, was when Weird Al wanted yeah, to do a parody exactly. of the song. He's like, we're, we've made, this is it. This is, this is, what can, what else can you ask for? <laughs> Talk about another band that people don't always see as punk, but I always thought Nirvana was. Yeah. I always oh, yeah. thought they were. And Kurt Cobain, his favorite band was Devo. And yeah. I was like, heck yeah, dude, I love Devo. <laughs> Yep, I love, love them both. I, 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 I'll, I'll defend Nirvana. Actually, I don't really defend them too much because people that don't you like don't them, you're, to, you're, so good. you're not going to change their mind. See, there's no point in defending yeah. them, but but I, I love them. They're, they're, they were so influential, and they came they came along at the right time for me too. That the was exact right time. I was actually no take it back. Okay, I feel like I might have been in fourth grade, and my dad had that. This is why kids were always jealous because my dad was like, my dad was to like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and stuff yeah. like that. And he I would be in line talking about these bands and like lunch line or whatever and kids would be like, How are you listening to that? Because we were like fourth graders. Yeah. I'm like, oh my dad. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> it was awesome. He had such great taste. And actually behind me in all these albums there is where Nirvana was at milestone. One of the oh, yeah. that's behind me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, where they actually came and played, I thought that was really cool. I always love and the Go-Go's played there, too, so yeah. we have a lot of bands that, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a R.E.M. played there, uh, so many good bands played there, but I, that's, oh, that's one I of the things... I have a story about R.E.M. playing there. Did you ever hear about uh, how, uh, apparently when they played here, and Mark Lynch will have to tell me if this is true or not, because I've heard the story. Yeah. He went up to them and said, I want a roadie for you guys, and he, they took him, he did. Yeah, That's that sounds... Doesn't that sound like something Mark Lynch did? <laughs> I know he's done. He's done a lot of that. So he's done a lot of like work, you know, going on tours with bands. I, I, something oh I, yeah, X I'm like, man, how do you get into like that? that? I guess you just go up and ask a band. <laughs> I'm like, is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> but but I was like, just, I didn't realize that. I was just talking about that that article I wrote about the milestone a while ago. I, yeah. I talk about how Nirvana is kind of the reason or what led me to the milestone. And, yeah. and you, you'll read the article and see how they play that part their part in it. It's I'm a very small part. That. It's a very small part, but it but it basically it made me go, I need to go to this place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. They're older than CBGBs. Yep. You know, and they. I mean, it's funny because people will see bad brains written on the wall. So, real quick story. If we're talking about milestone, I was playing with uh, Herbie from Valiant for his side project, Brief Lives. Mm-hmm. We were playing with them up at Milestone, and HR comes in. Yeah. And he's asking them, he's like, oh, we need a, we need a practice space, we need, you know, we need to come practice, and then and they're like, there's a show going on right now, dude, like, can't practice here. And they're like, go over to our studios, offer people some green, see what happens, yeah. like, you should be fine. And he came back to tell them it worked, yeah. and like, right this time is when Brief Light is playing, Herbie said he was so flabbergasted that he gets up there and he's like, "Yes, I'm Herbie. This is Valiant Thor." And he introduces him as the wrong. Man. <laughs> it was fantastic because HR and I had no idea. I think we had already played, and I had no idea that HR was standing there. And this would have been only like years ago. Yeah, like that's great. I mean, it's legit who they've had play there. I mean, yeah. there's just been some legends. There's been oh, some yeah. legends that have played there. I've I've seen a lot of really good shows there, and. Not all of them have been legends that have played, 
but yeah, but I've seen some shows of, of bands that weren't legends that were just mind blowing shows there because yeah, and you, it's you the might sound, have been the only people to see them. Yeah, the sound of the room, the 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 way the stage is, the intimacy of the place. Just I, I love that place, and, and I've seen some fantastic shows there. Um, it's just, oh yeah, it's a great played place. some fantastic shows there. Yeah. I played some fan. I played some good shows there. I won't say they're fantastic that I played there, but I played oh, some I good. I played some really <laughs> crappy shows there too. So, <laughs> and I'm well aware of that. <laughs> but you know Isn't how you know, you know how, how that goes. About every show, though, I'm like, oh, that sucks. People are like, that was great. I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but now we we played we played a few that, that I know were not that good. But um, you know, they're, they're, they've all <laughs> been fun. they've all been fun. I love that place. That's the put. See, that's this is why we get along so well because that's exactly what it should be. When it comes down to it, in the end, did you have fun? Exactly, if we had fun. Say yes, then you did it right. So, what was the first band that you were in? The first band that I. band that I would consider my real band. So um, I was telling you earlier about Anthony and Emily, the two kids I met off parties here. Yeah. And Emily contacts me one day after this glass house experience broke up, and she's like, I want you to actually sing in my band. Okay. You know, and um, she said, Anthony's going to be playing bass, she was going to play guitar, and she had found this girl, Kim. Seriously, to this day, one of the sickest drummers I have ever seen I don't know. How to, I don't know. She was real into Riot Girl, so she was yeah. like real behind like Bikini Kill and Bratmobile and like stuff like that. And but, dude, you know that was the band I actually covered James Brown with, and her chops, man. I don't know how to explain it. I feel like she probably could have been a jazz drummer. Yeah. But um, she also played bass, so that kind of like slap bass at that. So they were like, "Come over, ch- you know, check out this girl." And I get over there, and I don't even remember what I sang. No, I really don't. I remember what I sang for the tryout, and she said I reminded her of Kathleen Hanna, okay. which, like I said, she was rolling Riot Girl, so she liked yeah, that. Yeah. And they're like, join the band. So we didn't have a name yet, and we played around with stuff. And I actually, this was the only time I've been in a band where my name won. I had picked Sheena's Wasted because Sheena is a punk rocker. Yeah. You know, I was so <laughs> under the Ramones. So people would actually wear when we first started. People wear at our shows Sheena's Wasted, and on the back it would say, "And I am too." Yeah. <laughs> it was like great. It was like this is, you know, I was like I think I was like twenty two, twenty-three. So I had been in like bands that hadn't done anything, so this is my first real band. And we were we were kinda of riot girl. Um this was right after I had really dealt heavily with all the abuse and everything I had been through and I, I, I wrote songs about this dude not being able to hit me anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, Riot Girl is like I would actually like speak out about what had been done to me. Oh yeah, yeah. And we did this for a while. And then we started to kind of want to mix it up some. And I remember we're sitting one day, and Anthony's like, we sound like a Ramones cover band. Sheena's wasted. Like, people are going to think we're a Ramones cover band. Yeah. we got to change the name. And I'm like, what? I was devastated because I loved <laughs> that name. So we're sitting in his room, and he's got a Breakfast Club poster up on the wall. And he starts to read it, and it gets to the part where it says there's a princess, there's a criminal. And he turns, and he's like, what about princess and the criminals? Yeah. And so still the same band, okay. but we changed the name. We we mellowed out a little bit more. We came we we kind of were like more of like a reggae ska punk kind of band after that. Okay. Um, and that's when my ex husband joined the band. Heavy on the makeup. Light on the 
played with us for a while, and then members would leave, and stuff would get real crazy. That is the craziest band I've ever been in. We were in it for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I played with Murphy's Law with that band at the Soapbox yeah. in Wilmington. Uh, Eddie from Patriot hit me up. I don't even think I knew him at the time. I don't know how he found the band. Yeah. He's like, come play this show. You can open for Murphy's Law. And I'm like, do what now? <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> we, we got a lot of flack. I don't even think we've been together that long. And there was another band in town that um, got mad about it. They were like, they, it turned out that they said they didn't think we dressed punk enough and that we hadn't worked long enough to, to earn this. Yeah, some people get butthurt over that kind of stuff. <laughs> they did. They got real mad. You know, and when you know, because Patriot was real big, and and then you know, so we get there to play the show, and Patriot's drummer literally quit on them that night. Well, so we legit got to open for Murphy's Law. Yeah, and so it's Princess and the Criminals. It's one of my favorite stories. Jimmy G at the time, he looks at um, after we had played, he gets up on the crowd, and he's like, "I liked that that last band." He's like, they're real good. What was that? Sandwiches for the criminals? And we're like <laughs> laughing. We're like, that's an even better name. That's what we wish we were now. And he's like, I like that lead singer. She ain't scared. She like got in everybody's faces and that, you know, like it was a lot of skinheads at this show. Yeah. And they're climbing up on stage and I'm kicking them down and pushing them off. And he liked that. So he looks at the bar and he says, send me over the biggest bottle of Jaeger you have. <laughs> And he's, like, turning it up on stage, passing it to the crowd. He keeps handing it to me. And I'm like, dude. Like, I had to work at 8.30 the next morning. I was in accounting position at the time. Yeah. And we left Wilmington at 4.30. No, 3-something and got home at 4.30. Rolled out of bed at 7.30. Went to work. <laughs> That's how it was. That was my first band. We That was the first band I toured with. We played New Jersey, New York, D.C. We actually had a tour set up where we had gotten into the Black Cat. And our drummer quit on us two days before. Oh, yeah. Do you know how much it sucks to, like, you've been begging this venue for a show, yeah. and then two <laughs> days before you have to be like, so, uh, <laughs> by the way, we're not going to be playing this. Thanks for letting me bother you for the past five months to get this. Like, yeah. I've, I've had a couple of those kind of disappointments where it's been, like, looking forward to something so much, and then yes. one reason or another it falls through, and it's at the last minute. Like, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and especially in like a band, it it kind of hurts. It's like it's like a family thing. It kind of scars you, and you're like, I can't believe you did that to me. Yeah, you knew we had these awesome shows set up, and when she left a note on the band practice space door. That was how she left yeah. us. I was like, what? <laughs> like, didn't even tell us in person. Just left a note. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> So that band was active in, was that in Greenville or was that? Yeah, that was Greenville. Okay. That was five years. And um, the drummer, so she she ended up coming back after that. Okay. We got another drummer in between. Uh, he was an art student. He was pretty good, but he's an art student. And art students at ECU are like legit. Like they have a schedule that's like insane. Yeah. So we weren't getting to play as much. And uh, she told us she had like a dream or something. And she's like, I, I just dreamt that I needed to come back to the band. So we let her back in. Because Greenville had like five drummers, and if you didn't grab one of them, you weren't gonna like. Uh, much, Greenville, North Carolina, was like nobody there. <laughs> I was gonna say pretty much like everywhere else, but probably a little bit more exacerbated there. <laughs> it, yeah, and you're just like, oh my god, there's like three drummers that play punk. Oh, okay, you, you can come back to the band. So you know, she came back, and then she left us again, and then came back another time, and I think around that time, everyone kind of broke off. 
Yeah. And so this band actually morphed into a third. So it was first it was Sheena's Wasted, then it went to Princess Criminals, and we lost a guitarist, we lost a bass player, and then it was just me and my ex-husband who was the originally the rhythm guitarist, became the lead, yeah. and our drummer. And we started a three piece called The Mighty Good Ship, which was kind of more like I would say like a mix of like the Pretenders, the AAS, like that kind of stuff, yeah. like a little bit more like melodic but still punk. songs on the end of recording because I think we played like two shows then we were like let's move to Raleigh yeah <laughs> so we uprooted everything because that's where everybody was moving at the time the guys from Valiant Thor had moved there the guys from Future Islands had moved there yeah these guys all went to ECU with me I played in in living rooms with Future Islands and then years later I'm seeing them on Letterman I'm like are you kidding me yeah I played in the living room with these guys <laughs> and, and I'm like so everyone started moving to Raleigh so we're like yeah let's go to Raleigh and she joined another band and didn't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> and so for like a month, she's with this other band and asks us to meet her in a public a public place. That's how you should have known it was bad because she knew I was gonna get she knew I was gonna get mad. So she, I think we met at a Borders because Borders was still open at the time. Yeah. And she's like, so I'm playing in this other band, but we're gonna keep the mighty good ship going. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it broke up. And uh, that's when I, I, this was the only time I've ever started a band. Princess and the Criminal Sheen has wasted all that morphine. That was never mine. I got asked to be in that band. Yeah. I started the BAMPs, the badass motherfuckers. Yeah. There was a kid that we had played with when we were still in, like, Princess and the Criminals and all that. Because so we play Raleigh a lot. In fact, we played, I think, our first full-length album that we put out. Our release show was actually in Raleigh mm -hmm. instead of Greenville. Because we had so many, like, bands that we played with there. Yeah. And a band at the time, Blood Red River, played on it. And they're still together. Oh, Those yeah. guys they're, are still They sound like too. adventurous. I love them. Yeah, I love them. Love them. But, and Alan, so Alan, the guitar player from that band, actually ended up recording this band that I started, the BAMPs. And uh, while we were playing with the BAMPs, we found this kid, Tim. He was like a solo artist. He was not scared to be by himself. Mm -hmm. One of the best guitarists I've ever seen. I was like, I have to have him. Yeah. So I snagged him. And then we played with another band called the Home Wreckers, and their bass player was insanely good. And they had broken up, so I stole their bass player. And then we had to find a drummer. It's always the fun <laughs> it's part. It's always a drummer. Hate finding drummers. And so we, we, I remember we played with a kid I actually went to high school with. 
And he would drive, I think, from Greensboro to Raleigh to practice with us. Yeah. And then he was in the military. He ended up getting sent back out. And uh, we had to find someone else. I don't even, I think we might have played like a show or two with him. And then we got this kid, Adam. Adam was in metal bands. And I'm talking like legit, like Violent Life, Violent Death kind of metal band. Yeah. And he would play double bass with us. It was really good. Swedish. So Swedish. Introduced me to a, a game called Hammerschlagen where you take an axe and take the butt of the axe and you try to hit a can with it and, like, try to, like, hit it on top of, like, a log while you're drunk. I was like, I will never play this game. I was like, I will never play this game. Yeah. I remember him like, and if Adam, if you see this, I probably described that game wrong. Sorry, buddy. But, <laughs> but yeah, he's he was really, he was a fantastic drummer, super chill. Out of all the drummers I've had outside of John, he has been the most laid back. This dude was just like, but if you, you messed with him the wrong way, Adam would have your back. Yeah. But the BAMS, now the BAMS was only two years. Um, my ex-husband was in that band, and when I was in that band, I left him. So that's how that ended. That, <laughs> and the guy, the bass player we took from the home records had been in a band where they ended because the couple that was in it broke up, and he looked at me, he's like, I'm never playing in a band again. <laughs> and he has. He has. Zeke, I saw you, dude. You played in other bands. <laughs> Well, you got to think, I mean, as even as small as North Carolina is or whatever, you know, Charlotte and Raleigh is pretty well separated. So there's a lot of stuff going on in Raleigh that I'm not that aware of or chopping. It feels like, I, you know, I, I, I was there for a while and we, you know, even though I was only there for like two, three years, we really got a good footing there. I knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like Sean Shotdown that was in Poison Anthem that would put on Punk Rock Smackdown at like Tommy's and stuff. I met him back in my Greenville days, but he was out of Raleigh. And uh, I've been playing shows with him ever since and, like, held on to these people. But I go back there now, it feels like a foreign world. Yeah. And that was, like, my spot, you know? Like, I knew that place. Like, Slim's downtown was, like, I played there all the time. Well, I think, like, the fact that, you know, there there are some young people playing music these days. I, I, yeah. Obviously, there are. But, oh, yeah. But it seems like the majority of people involved in the punk rock scene, at least, or the hard, heavy music scene, are people that are a little bit older, in their 30s and 40s. We that, get recycled. <laughs> so there, there's a little bit of a gap there. And I think like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, all these same people would have been playing shows all over North Carolina. But the older yep. we've gotten, the more responsibility we've, we've gotten. So it's harder for a band from Charlotte to go do a show in Raleigh. It's harder yeah. for them to go for a band from Wilmington to go down to Columbia or what, you know, wherever. So oh, we're, yeah. we're just, we're playing each other's scenes a whole lot less than we would have been 20 or 30 years ago. when We were a little bit younger. Oh, it's true. And, you know, we actually, um, we've, we play Raleigh and Asheville quite a bit to the point where we know people there now. And yeah. so now when I go there, it, it's weird, you know, because Asheville, I've always played with other bands. So that, that's always been kind of outside for me. But it's like when I go back to Raleigh now, it's like I'm seeing it in this different way. Yeah. Like, this is what it was like when I was with the Bams. But this is what Raleigh's like to me now with no anger control. Like, yeah. it's kind of weird to see it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I see I, I there's bands that were still together when I was living there that are now playing. Like, Blood Red River has been together a long time. Yeah. They have literally been together since I have been playing in bands. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And I'm still friends with Chris and, and Alan. And, um, you know, but then there's other bands. Like, there's this band, Movement Tutu, that we played with with the Bamps back in Raleigh. And they broke up at one point, and they just recently got back together. And you're right. That's what tends to happen. Yeah. 
we either form new bands and it's similar members, but it's a new band. You know, because Jason and Levi were in when it hits together, and then they started No Anger Control when John brought yeah. John in. So it's what we do. I wanna be a I wanna see you go right now to the door. I wanna touch you. I wanna find you right now on the dirty floor. I wanna test you. Some of the other bands playing around during that time in Raleigh. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Raleigh at that time. Oh God, I got to think on this one. Um, this is a time period I'm not real familiar with, especially in that area. So I've just recently discovered Blood Red River, and they're they're awesome. Like I said, yeah. And see, now Blood Red River had been together even way. I think even before I started in my first bands. Yeah. And I feel like the band I was talking about, Mumututu. They were real good. They um they were definitely together. There used to be a band called Bobby's Fever during that time okay. that I really, really liked. When we played our release show with Princess and the Criminal, so we had done an EP and then we did a full length, and we had Blood Red River on it and Bobby's Fever. Okay. I remember Bobby's Fever was big at the time. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. God knows. This is like have, making me stretch. Bad Idea. Bad Idea was around. I feel like they still play some. Mm-hmm. And then the band that my my drummer from Princess and the Criminals actually left us for was the Hell No. Okay. And I'm pretty sure they might still be together. Their lead singer, her name's Brenna. She was in a band called Brenna and the Black Tones back in the day. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, what's the best way to put this? They were kind of like the Cramps. They reminded me of the Cramps. Yeah. Like they had had kind of like that rockabilly sound, like psychabilly sound yeah. to them, like real good stuff. She had it, and I feel like she's got a couple bands now, because I still keep up with them. Let's see. I'm trying to remember. There was a band called Pink Flag. Oh, my God. Pink Flag was huge. Mm -hmm. Pink Flag was an all-girl band, and their lead singer, Betsy Shane, had done quite a bit of stuff on her own. I can't remember what her solo stuff was, because I met her playing some show in New Bern back in the day. They were real big when we were in, in Raleigh. Um, I'm probably forgetting some big ones. There's probably gonna be people that are gonna see this and be like, "I can't believe you didn't mention my band." I'll be like, Ugh. "There's been a lot of stuff that's happened since then." Oh yeah, like, I know. I, it's, it's, sometimes I start thinking about bands from back in the day, and I, all of a sudden I remember when I'm like, "How did I forget about them?" And I just yeah. haven't thought about them in years. That's what's gonna end up happening. I'm gonna be sitting here like later tonight, being like, "Oh man, I should have brought up this band." Like, <laughs> but I mean, a lot of those bands did morph into other bands. Like, okay. So there was a band called Dead to Society that I played with back in the day. And uh, we played with them a lot. And they had a member, his name's Manning Kimmel, mm-hmm. and he started a band called Raw Dog. Yeah. And Raw Dog, that's one of my favorite. We played a show with them at Fayetteville at the Rock Shop when it was the original, before they moved it across the street. Let's go way back. And uh, he threw out dildos into the crowd. Like he's playing, it's like he's a solo artist. And I don't even remember what the song was about. I still talk to him about it to this day. He's I was like, I can't believe you remember that. I'm like, dude, seriously, who's going to forget something like that? Like, yeah, you don't forget that. <laughs> and I still think, now I don't, he had gotten other members to join in with him. And I don't know if they're really doing too much together anymore, but Manning's one of those people that's kind of been around for a while, too. Yeah. Because Dead Society, I actually have, if you ever see my jean jacket that has all the buttons on it, I still have a Dead Society button. <laughs> and God knows, that's been like 10, 15 years ago now. Yeah. That's weird to think about. 
So, badass motherfuckers, you played with yeah. for you said like a couple of years. That ended when when you left when when you got out of that relationship. Yes, but that was what led you to knowing your control, wasn't it? When uh, the Vamps, we wanted to play the Milestone, mm-hmm. and at that time I had met Richie Grecky, and he was playing with All Rise. Yeah, and we had played something with them. Now it's the Maywood and Raleigh. Now I'm trying to remember what it used to be called because I think it was the older name then. Um, but we had played a show there with them, something that Sean, that kid I was telling you about that does punk, punk rock Smackdown, he had put together, I can't remember what, what it was called, but we, we played the show and I, like, Richie really liked me. He kept saying, you need to come play Charlotte, you need to come play Charlotte. I was like, alright, dude, so he got us on two different shows at the Milestone, he set up both. The first time we played, um, it was just kind of introduce introduce us. Second time we played, it was like a birthday show. Yeah. Because I remember DSR, I think it was Adam had birthday in July, I had a birthday in July, Rick, Richie had a birthday in July. Yeah. So we put all these bands together, <laughs> and I was literally going through leaving my ex-husband at this time. Yeah. And I remember we are like playing this show, and people like, I had been coming and visiting Charlotte a lot, because I was thinking about moving here. And people were, like, giving him the side eye. And he's like, why is everybody looking at me so strange? Like, all these people are my friends now. Yeah. So, you know, we played this show, and it was probably about a month after. I remember sending – I had met Felly that night, too. Felly played with us because yeah. her birthday is also in July. I fell in love with Felly, and She's I awesome. talked to her and Richie all the time, and they convinced me to come here. And they're both going to tell you that they hate that I say that. <laughs> but if it wasn't for the two of them and the milestone, because the milestone is what really made me be like – we don't have venues like this in Raleigh. That's when everything was shutting down in Raleigh. Yeah. Um, the dive bar got shut down. Mm. Um, what was it? Sadlax Heroes. Yeah. And then it was the real big one, and I can't think of the name of it. The brewery. The brewery yeah, had just yeah, been no. shut down. Yeah. So, you know, all the stuff that we saw happen with Tremont, this already happened in Raleigh years before. Yeah. And I left, and I'm sitting there thinking, I can't believe they just shut all that stuff down. And here's Charlotte with, like, this mecca of venues and the milestone, and I'm like, oh, I'm going there. Yeah. (laughs) People there are real nice. Like, it felt like home, so when I decided to leave my ex-husband, I was like, I'm going to Charlotte. Yeah. My brother actually lived here at the time. My old bass player still lives here from my first band. And so I was like, I know people. I'm going. Yeah. And so when I first moved here, I hung out. The only place I really knew was Milestone, Mm. and I only had, like, a handful of friends, so I just went to Milestone all the time. Yeah. Like, didn't have a job, thought I was going to have a job, that fell through, so for, like, months, I'm, like, trying to find a job, and I'm just going out the milestone all the time, and John came up to me. He was like, aren't you in the BAMPs? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I used to be, and he said, oh, yeah, and Jason and him apparently had seen me at one of the shows we came up and played at Milestone. Mm -hmm. He's like, you guys are really good, blah, 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 and he's like, and I was like, I'm not with them anymore. He's like, oh, really? I said, yeah, I live in Charlotte now, and he's like, what? And so, you know, (laughs) that didn't even know I had moved, you know, and, uh. He's like, well, are you looking to join a band? Yeah. And he asked me to come try out. Now, I knew Southside Punks, okay? So okay. when I met John, I knew who they were. Yeah. And I remember being like, I know this dude. I feel like he plays drums for Southside. And uh, I was like, yeah, if he's playing in some other band, it's got to be something similar to that. Yeah. So I was like, I am so in. And then he's like, well, we're, we're covering uh, Still Full of Fingers right now. Oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> can you do that? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, my dream was always being a 77 punk band. I still haven't done it. Yeah, I've never been in a band that sounded like that. So when he told me they were covering Stone Little Fingers, I was like, "All right." And then they he sent me their music, and I was like, "This is the angriest shit I've ever heard." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, they'd already written "No Anger Control." Okay, that's Jason's baby. Yeah, and they sent me. They had actually done a demo, and they sent me the demo with the songs on it, 
And I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I remember playing it in my car, and I'm sitting here, like, screaming in my car. <laughs> and people are, like, I'm in South Charlotte because that's where I lived at the time. And people are probably driving past me, like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I go into this first practice, and I'm like, I'm going to blow them away. I'm going to melt their brains. They're going to be like, we have to have her. Yeah. And so I came in, and I, I gave it everything. And I remember Levi actually contacted me. It was like, don't tell him. Don't tell anybody about this because they were still deciding if they wanted me in the band. He's like, but I, I think you should be. He's like, you're a shoo-in. Yeah. And I later on told this to the other guys, and they're like, what? Like, <laughs> Levi had kind of like snuck mine and been like, hey. So we pl- ended up playing this show in Rock Hill at, what was it, the money the, at the, the money, time? Yeah. Like, you know, I can't remember what, what was it before that. You know I'm talking because I played I there I've before. been there before, yeah. Yeah, I had played there before it was the money, and I can't remember the original name. I don't remember But, either, uh, we, but... we played there. And I remember we get up, and I only did a couple songs. It was the songs I learned off their demo, because they had other stuff going on. And they played most of it themselves, but I came up and did these few songs, and they introduced me, and this was kind of like my, my dry run. Yeah. If she can do this, then okay, we'll, we'll ask her to be in the band. Yeah. So we get up there, and there's a bunch of real young kids, and all of a sudden someone yells out, why are you all so old? <laughs> and I yelled back, why can't any of you drink? John, <laughs> like, they liked that, so that helped me. And uh, I, I feel like I put it on a good show. I was walking across speakers and being kind of crazy. And uh, at the time, they had the, the tall boy koozies with no anger control on it. Yeah. And they came up at, to me after the set. And this was December 23rd, okay, this right around Christmas time. So my family's getting ready to come into town, and I'm all stoked. And I'm like, it'd be so great if I could get in this band. I'd be in such so much of a better mood for Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> they come up, and we're sitting at the bar, and they lay down this koozie in front of me. And they're like, we'd like you to join the band. <laughs> and they're like, we have a show scheduled at the Milestone already, though. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, it's a three-piece thing. And so it was like All Rise was on it because it was supposed to be all three-piece bands. Yeah. So I didn't get to play it. Oh. <laughs> so I'm, I've been asked to join the band. They're like, you're not going to play this show. I'm but like, you're not playing what? the first show. <laughs> they're like, screw you. You can no. join, you can join so the like, band <laughs> after the next show. <laughs> yes. Well, they're like, we're going to use this show to introduce you. That's what we'll do. So they they played the set and everything, and then the, the, they closed the no anger control like we always do. Yeah. And they're like, well, they were like, this has been great, but we're not a three-piece anymore. And they call me on stage. Yeah. And I freaking yell, no anger control, and scream in everybody's faces. And they kind of brought me in. And we played maybe a couple shows after that. And then we got that barbed wire dolls show. And that's what really did it for us. Yeah.
had maybe done a couple shows before that, but that's what I consider my first, like, real, real show with them. And we got to play Tremont, and Barbwire Dolls was just starting to get big, and it was so much fun, and... God knows, this is the best band I've ever been in. Yeah, it's really <laughs> no good. I know some of my other bandmates from other <laughs> bands are going to see this. I'm like, trust me, all of my bands have been so great, but you know how it is. Well, exactly. I you mean, work up. Exactly, because I, I think about like the the stuff that I did, or me and Eric did in the accidents, and I yeah. love that music. It's great, but it doesn't touch what Van Huskins is doing these days. Oh, and it's because you you built up who you kind of are on stage, yeah. like what you represent, you know, and, and Tiff Tantrum, that name was actually given to me back in Princess and the Criminals, because I did that even then. I would roll across stages and, like, go all nuts. And yeah. I don't even know if it was on purpose then. Then I was just real young, and I was probably just being stupid and falling over and tripping on, like, wires <laughs> and stuff and try to play it off. But <laughs> but it, it became a thing, and my drummer's girlfriend at the time was like, you look like you're throwing a tantrum. Yeah. She's like, you could be Tiff Tantrum. <laughs> and I was like, I like that. And so like, I, I like it, too. I, I think it's cool when people take on stage names, and I tried it at one point, but it didn't really catch it's got a bass be, player it's, it's a little bit harder right. yeah yeah well and, and my name actually went along with a band that, that didn't last too long anyway but you know i still wanted my... oh you guys took on the last because we all in the bamps we all took on bamp as our last name i <laughs> well, feel that <laughs> i had a, i had a short-lived band called hell camino and i decided oh, I, I was like going to be name. i was going to be mike hell because if yeah. you say it kind of fast, it sounds like Michael. It's Michael, Mike Hill, whatever. I love that. And so I still, I still use it to this day sometimes, mostly in like screen names and things. But, um, but it was just something that never really caught, quite caught on. So, but it's, it's I like that. Some, some, some people remember that. Some people will still call me that from time to time. Uh, well, I don't know if you've heard what the thing is about band names, though. You're not allowed to give it to yourself, apparently. Yeah. And I remember I, I was know. questioning that. <laughs> Because <laughs> my other name, my other name goes way, way back, and it was Michael Oatmeal, and that was when oh me and God. me and my my best friend in high school we started a band called the Style and Johnny Appleseeds, and we decided you have to have like a punk rock name. And he awesome. was he was Matt Butt, and I was Michael Oatmeal, and we just we made them up ourselves. And yeah. To, and to this day, like Eric will still call me like Michael Oatmeal every now and then. So it's but see it's stuck. that's that's you know that's different that like. That you were real young, like yeah. I, I was told. Okay, now this would have been when I was first coming up into Charlotte, and they were asking me. I was like, "Oh yeah, I go by Tiff Tantrum," and it was like Tyler did it, and he'd be like, "Give that to yourself." <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Someone actually, like, yeah. You know the way they would look at you, like really? Yeah. Is that I, what you call yourself? <laughs> I get that, but but my mind does have mine does have an origin in trying to be like sort of a band centric thing, although nobody That's else really nice went along thing. with it. Uh, Yours is a good story. (laughs) Yours is that sweet. That's like that's like your first. Like, was that your first band? No, it wasn't my first band. It was it was a side project that was I had with Uh, with, uh, Robert. How old were you? Do you remember? This was during. This was after. This is after the accidents got kind of big. So this was probably late nineties. Exactly. Yeah. Up until that point, I was just Michael Oatmeal, and again, that was the the given name. I like that though. I like. I I now see. I think you can give give yourself a name. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, you know. <laughs> like I said, it didn't stick, and that's probably why, because nobody else called me that. <laughs> but it's something that a few people still, like Eric's um, Eric's wife, Becky, she calls me Mike Hill all the time. That's like about all she ever calls me. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to be calling you Michael Oatmeal now, though. Like, I really <laughs> hope that I can be able to stop. I'll, I'll answer to it, you know. <laughs> it really <laughs> made so awesome. made zero sense. There was no re- real reason behind it, but it was better than <laughs> Michael Phillips. It just 
you know, for a punk rock name. It's just something that's not your last name. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what we figured, you know, you just got to come up with something different. Sid Vicious, you know, Michael Oatmeal. Yeah, there I we go. <laughs> it's, it's like something about like punk names are always just like random. Like you'd have like trash in your name somehow. Or something <laughs> like, like, you know, it's just like, what's something that's weird or gross? Like put that in your name. But now these, these days I'm happy to go by Mike Phillips or Michael Phillips or Mike Huskins or Mike Van Huskins. I don't care what people call me. Yeah, I could totally call you Mike Huskins. I like that too. <laughs> well, you put the van in there. I'm, I'm not, I, me and Eric are like brothers, but we're not quite brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You guys did go on that date together. Because if me and Eric are brothers, because if me and Eric are brothers, that makes me and Ben brothers. And I'm not sure about that. <laughs> oh, good Lord, dude. Trouble. That's I, what I call him. That's his nickname, Trouble. Yeah, that's I love I love Ben to death, but I got to give him a hard time. <laughs> I, I give him a hard time. Like, I could be in your band, like, part-time just to pick on Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, I've even told him, I said, Ben, you've got the curse of not being my brother, but yet I kind of feel like you're my little brother, so you get treated like my little brother. <laughs> he's got he's got that personality. <laughs> I love Ben. I gotta, I, I gotta say that one more time. I love Ben a lot. <laughs> hey, I love Ben too, but I will pick on him forever. Yeah. It's so much. He gives it right back. And exactly. Then he that's, at me. And that's that's the great thing about Ben is because he takes it so well because he gives it right back. And and that's he does. He, he loves that. And that's I love. And that's one of the reasons I love him so much. Well, there's always a person, and I, we do that, you know, with no anger control. There's always someone in the band that's going to kind of be the butt of the jokes yeah, and yeah. kind of get like. No offense to Levi, but I think we pick on him quite a bit. Yeah. But but then it'll get turned it'll get turned back around on me because they love to talk about my mic case. Yeah. And like and then you know and then it'll get turned on to John and none of us mess with Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't mess with Jason. I don't think anybody's safe in Van Huskins. We all get shit. So. Oh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, I mean, I might as well be their brother for real. I, we, we, that's how it is. In the that's band. how it should work. It is like a family. And that's why, you know, when I've had bands break up, it feels heartbreaking. Yeah. Like it's a relationship where your family, like you guys are just, it is so funny. The messages that we've sent each other during this time and just like, I miss you guys. <laughs> it's just like real sappy stuff. Like, oh, I wish we were playing a show together right now. Like, and then we start talking junk to each other. Like when we got, when we had one Zoom chat, they did one that I couldn't make it to. And they did one the, the following week. We just like talk junk to each other. <laughs> we were like, I've never laughed so hard though. Yeah, we had one a few weeks ago, a, a Zoom chat. And it was funny because Ben was like, he was holding the phone in all weird places and like we were seeing like right up his nose and stuff and it's like man just like hold the phone like a regular person but it was we we had a good time doing it and and we have practiced since then we're not we're kind of doing it quietly but you know i I figure i'm going out and we're masking up and doing it but i figure i'm going out and 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 risking my life every day for work I can for two. Might hours, as well do it for something you love. For two hours a week, we all feel healthy enough. We're all, you know, let's just go over there and jam, and then go right, right back home. <laughs> just, hey, no anchor control. It sounds like we should start practicing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I prob- would love to. I miss it. I probably won't leave that in, but you know, it's at some point we we've got to kind of go because I, I don't know that we'll ever be rid of this honestly it's, it's, i know it's not you're right you know and you don't have to leave that in i'm glad we're talking about this though because it is we this has changed everything yeah this has changed everything this world is completely changed now it's never going to be the same after this and we just have to accept that yeah. and you know i think the biggest thing is going to be well, what do we do now 
Yep. And, this kind of sucks. <laughs> and I don't even really like thinking about it too much until it gets closer to time. But I just, you yeah, because I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable going out right now. I don't either. Um, especially going either. to a bar where people have a couple of drinks and their inhibitions drop a little bit and they're, and then they're all over touchy each other and, touching everything. And, and, and trust me, I, I love to hug people. I love to shake hands. I love to like, I love interaction, but right now I am not about all that. <laughs> no, I'm kind of freaked out by it. Too. And, and it's not I mean, so much for myself, but you know, I, I, I live under the same roof that my parents live under. So I, I've got to take care of them. Exactly. I'm going to affect other people if I, you know, it is. I would affect my boyfriend. I don't want to, like, come home and be like, thanks for taking good care of me during this time. Yeah. Here's some COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're doing it, but we're doing it carefully, and we've already bailed out of a show that might still happen on the 30th of this month at Tommy's. Oh. Apparently, we, we, were, we were hit up about it the other day, and I was like, uh, we're going to go ahead and bail out of that one and not do it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I've, I had all my shows written on the calendar. In the, in the kitchen, and I got to watch as I'd X them out. We yeah. weren't playing them, and it's so like we would have actually been playing Columbia uh, yesterday. Yeah, uh, with Soda City Riot, and, and like it was like supposed to be like a pretty big show. And you know, Billy Riot hit me up and said, "We're gonna set up something new, which is awesome. I love him. By the way, I, I'm gonna be telling sending him your way because that's a great band." Oh yeah, we we, but, um, we, we played with uh, we played with Billy before. We haven't played with uh, Soda City Riot. He did like a yeah, solo thing. He, he, uh, then we played with. Um, Long shot odds and common rope. Yep, those are, I know those dudes. Okay, so let's let me just real quick side note. Long shot odds. Okay, mm-hmm. so two of the members of that band, drummer, lead singer, so that's yeah. Corey and Pat. They were in a band called You Me and Us. Okay, mm-hmm. and I was out of South Carolina. They would have been together when I was with Princess and the Criminals, and they used to come play Greenville. Yeah. And I have known those guys since that time. And I still see them. That's why it's crazy to see yeah. that they started Long Shot Odds. It's literally uh, you, me, and us minus one member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's that revolution we were talking about with bands, too. Yep, exactly. It happens. Like, me and Eric have been playing together for 20, I think, 28 years now, 27, 28 you years. You still like each other? <laughs> and, and That's I can't, incredible. I honestly can't imagine playing in a band without him, so, you know. Oh. That's, that's I, how I, I have, felt about my original bass player. I have, but, you know, I, I still like, I, he's the reason I'm still going now, or part of the reason. That's I'm awesome. That's really awesome. <laughs> I don't, No Anger Control is the first band I've been in, I guess, this sucks, the person I was always in all my bands in was with, with my ex-husband. This yeah. is the first band I've been in without him. So that's the only person I could think of, and there's no way it ever happened again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. No, <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I just found I, I found my partner a long time ago. You know, sometimes yeah, it takes lucky. a while for you to find somebody that you really gel with and, and make good music with and want to keep making music with. So. Oh, that's my band right now. Yeah. And I, you know, Jason and I write a lot of stuff together. And I am telling you, I feel that way. My ex-husband and I used to be the one that wrote all the stuff. And uh, Jason feels like that. Yeah. He and I can just kind of sit together, and it just works, and it's it's great. And, you know, and Levi and John always throw in their own flair, and Levi writes stuff too. We all work really well together, but Jason and I just kind of have like this this niche, this thing. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. 
probably what you're talking about with like you and Eric. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when Eric writes something and he, he never really, he might have an idea of a baseline, but he always just says, do whatever you want with that. And then I play it and it doesn't matter what I play. If it's always the first thing that I play, almost always the first thing that I play. And Eric goes, I like that. And then I say, yeah, well, it might evolve. And then I start messing around with it and I go, nope, that's what works. It's what I wrote. It's what I came up with. It's what I heard based on what you wrote. And we've been playing yep. together so long that the instinct just works. Just stick with the, the original thing and it, and, it, and it works. And I might tweak it a little bit from there, but the, the original idea always is what works. And it's almost right. like he goes, he he, say, he hears it and he goes, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> that's like we, good, we, We're just on the same level as far as writing music goes. We, we, we write our parts to complement each other. I like that. It's funny, too, when you write with someone how – like Jason the other day when we, we did do that Zoom chat, he was talking about how he'll send me a bunch of songs that he just kind of written. Yeah. And he'll play bass guitar to it and put like a drum track behind it. And then I'll have all these lyrics and I'll find ways to fit them in and rewrite it to fit the stuff and whatever. Because it's just, sometimes I'm just like, whoa, it's like he wrote this to fit these lyrics. And it's amazing. And and we'll go through and do that. And then I'll come over to his house and be like, all right, dude, this is what I picked. Here's the lyrics. Then we'll record it together and send it to the rest of the guys. Yeah. Well, Jason said, I'll pick stuff that he never would have thought to pick. And the stuff I write to it, he's always like, I would have never thought to write like that. And so that's kind of the team where we are. Like the, the new one that we're doing um, that we just started playing out recently, um, Hydra Intelligence. Yeah. He said he never would have picked, he never thought I would have picked a song like that to write to. And, <laughs> but it, it worked. And, it, it, and now, like, it's really catchy. We all really love it. But it's like, isn't it crazy how you guys can like, you can write so much alike and then pick something and it's like, still add your own flair to it. Yeah. <laughs> For him to be like, I would have never thought to do that. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's what makes a good band because then you build off of each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's not that at that point, it's not just somebody writing music. It's here's an idea I brought. Let's put this together and let's put it together as a exactly. band. And let's make a it song never, out of this. It might start with like you and Eric or me and Jason, but in the end, it's all of us together, and we all add in our own touch and our own style. And especially, you know, because when Jason puts the stuff, it's drum tracks. Yeah. So John really is putting in, and then Levi puts in all those sweet little licks and like yeah. solos that she, you know, that are definitely Levi's style, and it's it's what works, and we love it. Yeah, but I have to give Eric credit because I mean, most of I'd say that seventy five percent of the songwriting is him. That's just, awesome. Just me and Eric, me and Ben put our own things to it. And then we go, well, how about let's try this here. Let's, let's cut that part a little bit and then do this. And so it does become a, a group effort, but I would say that Eric gets majority of the credit. He oh, writes, yeah, that's he writes most of the lyrics. <laughs> um, I, I write Jason. some of the lyrics, but not, not much. I write, you know, just every now and then something I might sing, but even then some, I'm usually like, if you can come up with something better, you do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of how Jason are. Cause Jason will give me some songs where he already has lyrics to it. And then we'll go back over it and he'll be like, I bet you could write lyrics that flow a little bit better. And we'll do, you know, we'll yeah. do it. Cause they like for Hi hypocrite. Okay. So hypocrite, I think was on their demo that they did before I joined the band. And I actually rewrote some of the verses to that and we recorded it then all together. Yeah. So that probably is one of the instances like where it's like you can hear hypocrite how Jason wrote it and then you'll hear hypocrite where I added in some of my stuff. It's yeah. really it's actually kinda of cool to have that. Yeah. Hypocrite, 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 hypocr
One thing I, I really like about knowing Charlotte, you guys get a lot of support in the Charlotte scene. And just about any time you play, you get a good crowd out. And, and I know part of the reason why that, like uh, we, we'll talk about a little bit more in a little bit, but how you connect with your crowds. How long did it take you to build a following to where you had people coming out pretty regularly and pretty consistently? Uh, I would say within the first year, um, you know, we all had experience in bands and it didn't hurt that John was like in Southside and yeah, on Engine yeah. already. So, you know, people would automatically come out because John. Yeah. And they would see, and some people knew me from the BAMP. Some people even knew me from Princess and the Criminals because there's yeah. some people that are actually in this area that know me from Greenville times. But, um, you know, and then some of the people knew when it hits, which Jason and Levi had just been in. So that kind of helped us. Yeah. And the fact that we had that experience. So when I would first start out in my bands, it took so much to get people to come out. Because I didn't know how to talk to people. Yeah. I didn't know how to be, I didn't know I just could just be myself. Like, I almost felt like I had to sell the band, and then I started to realize that if I was just me, more people actually appreciated that. Yeah. You know, I think what honestly helped us is only, like, a few shows in of me joining the band, we got on that barbed wire doll show. Mm -hmm. And so here we're playing this bigger show at Tremont. We get a lot of exposure. God knows, I'm trying to remember. I feel like the seduction was on that show. That was the first time I saw them. Yeah. They played that, too, so we, for a while, we were playing a lot of shows with the Seduction Yeah. because we had met them through that, and so both of us are kind of building, and so they're getting their crowd, we're getting their crowd, and then we would start mixing our crowds. Mm -hmm. I think what honestly helped is I already knew Richie, I already knew Felly, I had a good kind of groundwork of people that really, people love them here. Yeah. You know, they would they would like, oh, well, you support this band, I'll come out and support them. And so Felly and Richie would kind of push us, and other people would help out with that. But I think the biggest thing is that Levi and I especially, and everybody in the band talks to everybody, but Levi and I especially make a point mm -hmm. to try and talk to everybody. Yeah. And even when we first started out, because Levi and I like to talk. I mean, you've, you've interviewed him, so you know he's bad as me. We love to talk. <laughs> And, I'm the uh, same, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. As you and I, you I know we've had times where we're like time to go, and an hour yeah. later we're still talking. <laughs> but um, I think it's just because I know from my experience that before being in bands, the what would make me want to see a band was that they were willing to talk to me, to be yeah. my friend, to be personal with me. That would make me want to support them. Yeah. And I don't go out with that intention, but I realize that that's what's helping. Is that. I just want to talk to everybody. You know, like, being in a band, what I realize more than anything is we can say we work hard, and we do, and we can say we put a lot into our albums, and we do, but we would not exist if we didn't have an audience. Yeah. We would. I mean, we'd have our stuff, but no one would be buying it, wouldn't be, you know, but, you know, it's it's that's how you do it. It's the people that support you. So I literally try to give everything back to our fans. Yeah. And I think people recognize that it's not just me just doing it to be like, hey, I want to get big and famous. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it because that's actually how I feel. That, and that's exactly the way, like, I, I can tell that. that like I say, when I, when I talk about how you connect with the crowd, there's, it's not manufactured. You connect, with yeah. people, you connect with people on a personal basis just in general. And it just happens people. to go along with, with the band. And that yeah. helps out so much. You, you just, it's all real. Well, you know, I, I've always loved people ever since I was really young. My, my parents, like, I remember being at Disney World, and I'm, like, 10, 11 years old, and my dad's talking to everyone. Mm -hmm. We're, like, riding the train or whatever to get to the parks, and he's talking to everyone. I remember being so embarrassed by it. 
And we would go into the stores, and my dad would know everybody in the store, and I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. And guess who I am now? <laughs> That's literally, I can go into any grocery store now in Morrisville, and everybody knows me. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like Cheers. Why we love Cheers so much? Because it was people who were personable and mm-hmm. just real. Yeah. And they all loved each other and the way they would talk. And so I almost feel like like when I walk into Tommy's, it's like I'm walking into Cheers. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, Norm, they're like, hey, Tim. <laughs> yeah, and I'm exactly. like, woo. And like, you know, like if you treat every situation, even when you go out of town like that, like if someone's willing to come up and talk to me at the show, don't turn around and walk away. Talk to them. Yeah. They, they were probably nervous to come up and talk to you. We don't feel like we're famous, but to some people, they're nervous to come up to talk mm-hmm. to us. So if we give them the time of day, then they're going to go be like, oh, man, like she was so nice, and you should go talk to her, and then everybody yeah. starts talking to you. And I, I, learned, I learned that real early on because some of the bands that I still hold in very high esteem as far as North Carolina music goes mm-hmm. are bands that I discovered really, really early in my career of going to shows. And they're bands yeah. that they're the bands that when we went and talked to them, they talked back. And they're the bands yeah, that we, and they meant it. And we could go see them in Charlotte, and then we could show up in Greensboro, and they'd be like, "Hey, you guys are from Charlotte, right?" They remembered us. Yeah. And and to this day, you know, we might not be greatest of friends, but we're still acquaintances on Facebook. Exactly. And they knew of the fact that back then we were in a band. They knew we were in a shitty band, so we weren't we were <laughs> on their level. But it still it built this community. And and it built this like I still like just think about those bands in such high regard to this yeah. day for that very reason. Bands like Geezer Lake and Picasso Trigger, to those are two yes. that come off the top of my head right away. That those they were just so nice, and to this day I'm still friends with those people. Exactly, exactly. There are people. Um, God knows, there's this band, and it would be really awesome if they were watching this. I'm still friends. It was husband and wife, and I still talk with both of them. And especially Emma, they were in a band called Penny Arcade. They're out of Texas, and mm-hmm. I played with them with like Princess and the Criminals, like way back. Like yeah. I was still definitely early twenties. I still talk to them. Yeah, we still like they have a daughter, and I see like you know that's the one good thing about social media because you do have that difference now, and we can stay connected that way. But that's what's also helped me with no anger control because I've been in bands since I was like twenty one, twenty two. Um, I've built up all these relationships and I've held on to them. Like what you're saying, we may not talk all the time, but if I were to hit them up and be like, Hey, my band and I are thinking about coming through this area. Yeah. Are there bands I should play with? You know, can you direct me here to go? I don't, act, I'm not like, give me a show. I'm like, can you direct me where to go? And then we'll be like, Hey, I can help you out because I treated them with respect and cared for them and still remember who they are. People like that. Yeah. Like who doesn't want to be treated that way? You know, exactly. And that's one thing I like about, we, we kind of mentioned this in texting the other day, and I said, let's, let's save it for the podcast. But about the Charlotte scene in general is that I really think we're dealing with a lot of people of, of very high, I don't want to say class, um, but class. I mean, we, we've got some very yeah. nice, great people in the scene. And, and I, I think it's a, a large group of people with an understanding for caring for other human beings yeah, in general. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. I, mean, I was trying yep. to think of a better word than class, but we, I, I really like the caliber, the caliber of people that we have in our scene for the most part, yep. especially the people that, that I've grown close to. They're, they're, they're I agree. good people, <laughs> very good people. I agree. We actually look out for each other, and then we look out for people outside of Charlotte, too. It's mm-hmm. not just like we only look out for our own. If a band hits us up and they're like, we need help and we can't play it, 
We help them find another band. We help them find another oh, yeah. venue, whatever they need. You know, I'm not just going to be like, sorry, we can't play. I'm going to be like, hey, here are some suggestions. Tell them Sip Tantrum, you know, sent you that way. And, like, you know, you help them out. Yep. I go and listen to their music, and, and I say, hmm, well, Commonwealth might be a good band for them to play with, or whoever, you know. That's exactly. And then, and, that's and, and then I, I mention that, and I go, you guys will be a good fit with these three bands. Hit them exactly. up and see if anybody's available. Exactly. I'll always listen to them and, and really try to find them a good fit so they can get a good crowd because it's going to be someone that's similar to them and brings that. That's the way to do it. Yeah. It's supposed to be a community. And, you know, we we talked about earlier, I think the reason I like 77 Punk so much is that's where I really saw that, like especially in documentaries mm-hmm. where they were just helping each other all the time. And there was no social media then. So, like, you know, I remember seeing one of the ones on Minor Threat and, you know, we're talking with, like, Henry Rollins and, and all of them, and they're like, yeah. we would write down addresses and then give those to other bands. Yeah. And the, these are the venues you should contact. These are the bands you should contact. So it's like the reason Charlotte thrives the way it does with punk now is because they're doing it the way it was when it started. Yeah. We're still like, hey, you need help? Here, let me give you these contacts, you know? Yeah. like. A little easier these days, but but same concept. And, and it is. And, and it's it. the same. It's the fact that we take what we build up on our own, and we find these bands that are like like you guys are with No Anger Control. Van Huskins, you guys are like family to us. Yeah. And so if if you were to be like, hey, we need help, we'd be like, all right, what do you need help with? And we give you any ammunition we've saved up on our own to help us because we care so much about you guys. You know, that's just. But that's what I thought bands were supposed to do. That's how I always thought it was supposed to be. And I think that people in the crowd see that too. Mm-hmm. They see the camaraderie between bands, and then they're like, because we would do a lot of stuff at Drunk in a Dumpster. Yeah. And and we'd go play Asheville, and they were big Asheville, and, and people in Asheville would start to be like, hey, I really love you guys because I see how much Drunk in a Dumpster loves you guys. Yeah. So you get that like kind of like backing. You know, and if it's a band that people really like in that area, well, there you go. That's all you really need. And, yeah. the, and you you don't just build up friendships with your audience. You build up friendships with the bands oh, you yeah. play with. Yeah, I the, love the bands I play with. outline and talk about COVID-19 on there and that's honestly been one of the hardest things is this is the first time since I started in bands since I was in my early 20s other than when I moved to Charlotte I went for about three months without a band then that's what it feels like right now like my band still exists and we're still there but we're not practicing we're not playing and I'm like this is torture this is this is my my bands are my sanity my stress relief like you know it's your outlet yeah. And I really, truly don't need money. I need that outlet. <laughs> I need that that release. Like, it makes me feel more human, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, more like myself. Trust me, when I, when I, when I say that we bailed out of that show at May, on May 30th, it's not because I really wanted to. It's because it's just it just feeling. feels necessary right now. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, it sucks. It sucks to have to say no. It sucks to have to... Ugh, like I said about marking all those shows off on my calendar, we would we had three already in this month that mm-hmm. we have not gotten to play, and that sucks. Yeah. I've never had to do that. This has never happened to me. We had two. It's in- never where I've never just been able to like months where I've just 
had to cancel shows and not get to play them. And I'm not even booking right now. I think the only thing we have sort of on the schedule is Punk Rock Picnic in September, and I guess we'll see what happens with that. Yep, that's about because I know we were looking more towards starting to play up again in August because it's not just about keeping ourselves safe. We don't want to drag out a bunch of people to shows yeah. and they're all around each other. And then something happens, and it was because they came out to one of our shows. Like, we're not trying to, like, you know, and it's not that we don't want to play. It's just that you really have to consider, you know, it's just like what we were talking about earlier. We look out for each other. So, yeah, we're looking out for our audience right now, too. Yeah. I don't want to get anybody sick. <laughs> yeah, and me either. That's the thing. And and, and 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 like I said, you know, we've all got family to worry about, too, or people that we have to be around yes. in our regular lives. So. What we do out in, out in the outside world, we bring home to other people. Yeah. So, we, I mean, I'm just, you know, I haven't even seen my family for that reason. Like, I haven't been able to see my parents because of how much older my dad is. And yeah. just kind of like, you know, you have to be aware of what I could bring. My brother and I both have Crohn's, so we've had to worry about that. Yeah. But I did want to ask, like, so you've recorded three or two and a half albums, I guess. You recorded yeah. the first album, a split with Drunken and Dubster, and then you put out another album last year, 2019. Album-wise, uh, we had our first release, was it like 2015, 2000? Oh, God, this is bad. My family's going to be bad. I, I think 2013, probably, when you guys started, right? Yeah, and we did, because that was when I moved here, and I feel like the first release was about a year after that, so maybe it was probably 2014. We did the self-titled. Yeah. And that was where I actually got attacked by a dog before we even started recording. <laughs> and uh, John was like, you need to go to the hospital. I was like, no, I'll be fine. So we recorded. I went to I went to emergency care the next day. I got a tetanus shot. Everything was fine. But uh, so that would have been the first album, and that was self-titled. And then we did the split with Drunk in a Dumpster, and then we did the one we just released, Lessons of Mass Destruction. Yeah. And we're working on. I'm not trying to give away too much, but we're working on something right now. Yeah. And I so. looked, just looked it up on Spotify. According to Spotify, the first one came out 2015. I knew it. That's yeah. what I said. So, so I don't know <laughs> that that date's like. And then the the split came out in 2017. The one with Drunken. Yes. Dead. And all three of them. They're all three great albums. I really really like that last one though. It just sounds really good. You recorded that with who did you record that Old with? House. With um, that would have been with Chris Gargis. Chris Gargis. That's right. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He is so awesome. Yeah. I like I like working with him because. He did the split with Drunk in the Dumpster too for yeah. us, and that one was kind of quick and and thrown together. And you know, John knew him, and we kind of rolled in there like, all right, let's check this out. And the reason we picked him for this last one was because he knew our sound. Yeah, he really understood our sound, and because we had just done the split with him, we're like, oh man, if we do a full length, we just gotta get someone that really understands us in that way. The process was a little bit not necessarily simpler, but that we just it was as a little smoother yeah because he already knew kind of what we liked and kind of like what levels we were looking for and everything he's he's real easy to work with super yeah. nice guy yeah so that was fun that's what i look for when whenever we go to record is well we've worked with um brandon hamby and he does yeah, him. a fantastic job and that last one we recorded we recorded with him partially because of the same thing he knows our sound he knows what we're looking exactly. for exactly and also i trust him to like do his own little magic with it he doesn't put like his stamp on it there's no sound there's no brandon hamby sound but he does something with it that that i don't think about doing in a lot of cases yeah. and then when i hear it and i listen back to it i'm like oh i like that 
but we also recorded with uh, John Bowman for the full CD last oh, year. Oh, I love Bowman. And that was that was a lot of fun, too. So I, I, that's what I look for, is people that are easy to work with, that kind of yes. understand what you're looking for to begin with. But also, they have their own ideas and, and their own things that they want to put to it and, and make it sound good. Not just like a recording. This is something oh, that yeah. sounds good and something that... That has a Van Huskin sound to it. So that's why I like it when uh, we try to get people who know our sound already, mm-hmm. because then we feel like you kind of pick up on those little nuances, yeah. different things that we might not even see. Just because, I mean, you get what we're going for. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know Jack about recording, but it's <laughs> nice when <laughs> it's nice when someone does. <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit, not not much. I'm learning more as I do this. But um, I still don't know what those guys do at all. But I, I just know that like, if we went to go record with Chris Garges, it would be a good recording, but I don't know that it would be a Van Huskins recording. So that's kind of what we yeah. look for is we look for people that already understand our sound a little bit. So that makes, exactly. that, that makes perfect sense. That, well, I mean, you want to be in a place where if you're progressing, you want to keep working with those people that have already helped you start because then they're mm. going to help with those building blocks. I mean, yeah. that's why it makes sense for us to go back to him when we did this last release, because it was like, he did a really, really nice job with the split, but we were like, now he really knows our sound. Yeah. And like, we go in here, we want this to sound good. So we, it would have been weird for us to go to someone we hadn't used before if we were really trying to like hone it in or nail it in. And that's kind of where I think we were at, where we are just like, we want someone that already was like, all right, mm-hmm. we'll do this, 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 and this. You liked this the last time we were here together. Let's do this. Like, he, it's, it went so smoothly. I yeah. just don't even know how to explain. And we had fun, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we already knew the setup of the studio, so that helps too. Yeah. Oh, and it, it's a fantastic result because I love that record. It's really oh, good. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, and, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll, I'll say it again after this. When, whenever I record something, I want to be able to look at the liner notes and, and see friends' names and not necessarily just people that I gave money to to, to record. Exactly. Them. So that's always good when you can kind of keep it in the family a little bit. When you start working with somebody, you build that friendship, and then you go, I want to work with you again because... Yeah. <laughs> I want to help them out. Like it's, That's like why we always try to get people like that have done artwork. We always try to use the same people yep. to get... Because like in some of my previous bands, like Princess and the Criminals, the guy that designed all of our posters, yeah. he ended up designing our album covers and all kinds of stuff because it was like... Why don't we want to support our friends? Yeah. Like we know other artists, like they have things to put out there too. So help them out. Yeah. And, and as soon as Van Huskins has some more stuff written and ready to record, I'm going to be calling Brandon being like, yes, I love set a weekend aside. And that is actually <laughs> someone we've talked about with recording uh, before. We've talked about recording with Brandon before because we played so much with mm-hmm. the seduction that he knows our sound live and yeah. he knows us all personally, yeah. which would add to it. Yeah. And he's good to record with, you know, he's, 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 he's very he's easy a chill, going. laid back guy and he knows oh, his stuff. Everybody, everybody loves Brandon and he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's good. He knows his stuff. And he looks he, like Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as much as I love like the stuff that we recorded with him the first time we recorded, he's gotten even better since then. So it's, yeah, it's, cause yeah. he's building up his chops just like we are. So, and the cool thing about Brandon is that he's learning along with all my friends because he pretty much records all my friends bands so it's That's like we're, we're, we're all getting better together as a scene <laughs> from from the bands to the the people that record us because we all work with the same people yeah i like that yeah um so uh 
I know you guys have done a little bit more of an online presence these days, even before the COVID-19 stuff started taking over. You guys yeah. sort of went into <laughs> that, uh, took over Twitter a little bit, bolstered up your YouTube channel some. You kind of tried to do a little bit more. Levi's always been on the live stuff. I love yeah, that Levi's about him. All about that. Anytime I see Levi on live, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it, even if he's just hanging out in his backyard it's talking hilarious. about what he did during the day. I don't care. I just want to I want to watch that guy. It's, it is. It's fun, and he's usually at some point he's gonna shoot basketball backwards. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so you guys took to this a little bit even before all this happened. So you know maybe the transition into doing maybe a little bit more online stuff once the band can get back together will work pretty well for you guys. It will. We'll see. We had talked about it. Okay, we had been invited to play Pooza Fest up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And Pooza Fest, the guy that runs it, he used to book Punk Rock Point. And yeah. he, uh, the guy that had talked to us about it, he managed the Anti-Queens. And they had come through. We're good friends with them. Yeah. And we were like, is it really going to be a good investment for us to go and put all this money into going to Canada and get out there when we haven't built ourselves up enough outside of like a certain region yeah. and we were we discussed it we're like the best way to do that is we've got to build up our online presence yeah you know we are blessed that we are in a, a a time where we can actually get ourselves out without having to necessarily tour all the time yeah because you know we're all older and we're all working jobs and levi's got a family and everyone's got their things mm. and so we can't tour like we would have been able to when we were really young mm. And so the only way to really do it now is you got to push. And so we were like, all right, that's it. We're doing it. Yeah. We're just going to push this. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of Facebook in first place. Yeah, I, I they have me as running the Twitter. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's been the hardest thing for me with Gabba Gabba, huh? I just I, I, I don't I pay attention don't, to it, I so I forget about it. I don't know if I get it. Yeah. I, like, I was like, can I take over the Instagram? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that part of it, I like John it. runs our Instagram. So. <laughs> yeah, Twitter I've had the hardest time with because I, I don't get it in the first place. It just doesn't appeal to me. It just, so to I don't me, it's like you're there. just writing all the time. I'm like, don't I already do that on Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> like, at least with Instagram, you put all pictures and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you can make it whatever you want it to be, but for some reason, just Twitter just does. I don't know. They're, they're, I guess it's popular out there, and I've been told I should it use is. it. It is. I've been told I should use it, but I don't see a lot of traffic coming from it so far. I don't, I, we don't really either. And I honestly, I see that most of our traffic of course comes to on Facebook Yeah. because that just is the most, you know, universal and it can be used in so many forms, especially since we started doing all the Facebook live. That was the other thing, you you know, we started doing stuff for practices and, and whatnot because we were just like, why are we not using this technology for something Better than just like writing like stupid statuses all day. <laughs> <laughs> we could actually use Facebook Live and, and get ourselves out there, and it seemed like a smart thing to do. Yeah, that is. We honestly, because we felt like, and then this happened, and it was kind of like, whoa, do we just like predict this? <laughs> like, we're already in this state of like pushing stuff online and writing stuff together that way. And we actually just sent out stuff to I think about six or seven different podcasts all over yeah. the country. Um, and then we, one of them was jamming the van. I'm pretty stoked about that. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're this thing through YouTube. They usually are out at festivals and a friend of mine used to do director of photography for them and they would like interview big bands in their van Yeah. and then they would play shows in their van and it's so cool. So I got their info. We sent some stuff out to them and I was like, you know, they seemed pretty stoked about it. Dave was like, yeah, they're excited that you're sending them stuff. So I was like, cool. 
But we did. We reached out. I have an interview with some other guy on Wednesday um, that he just interviewed the Finlands. And I saw some of his stuff, and I was like, this is great, though. Yeah. Like, it's like people are finally like, oh, hey, look, we can use technology more than just, like, to cut people down online and, like, <laughs> destroy other people's lives. We could actually push our bands. Yeah. <laughs> I need to look into that more. I've been, I've been more focused on this than I have on Van Huskins, which I, I'm, I'm, I feel bad about that. But, you know, Eric and Ben can do some shit, too. Yes. But I do, I do need to, like... out to your friends, and I can give you some of the stuff that I've oh, yeah. acquired recently. Well, we, 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 got, we got a review today from some place in Croatia that Trash Room, right. hooked, Trash Room hooked us up with them. So I, I really need to, cool. I need to... I need to do that a little bit more. Just, I mean, just take the chance. It is, and, it's and, not as easy. You know, one of the things that we keep talking about, technology does help, but at the same time... It does make it a little bit harder to reach out like you used to. Like when I first started in bands, mm. like MySpace was kind of a thing, but you really had to like put in a lot of footwork. Yeah. A lot of footwork, and I feel like we've I've gotten a little bit lazy with that because technology's made it easier. Yeah. And then suddenly my guys are like, hey, we want to be on all these podcasts. And I'm having to talk to all these people and write all these <laughs> messages. I'm like, this is a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it is. When I start thinking about that, I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do is write a bunch of messages and, and, and stuff. But I know oh. it could pay off. And, and, but I also feel like, so as easy as technology has made it, it's probably also made it to the fact that, or to the point to where places like that sometimes get inundated with a whole bunch of crap. Yep. So then yes, they have they to do. sift through it. So, so when I send they something do. out, I don't necessarily expect a response. I just, you know, hope for the best. And, and today we got it. I woke up to this morning and saw a review, and I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. That's so Some, awesome. Somebody in Croatia listened to Van Huskins and wrote a review. That's, that's so, bad see, as hell. That's cool. <laughs> we had one, oh, what country was I feel like it might have been Sweden. Yeah. And it, it was like this, this like, punk magazine that had been around since the 80s in Sweden, and it, they reviewed, I think, the Split album. Yeah. And we were just like, this is great because you know you want to get yourself. <laughs> yeah. And we had to actually translate the like article. <laughs> it was That's, awesome. <laughs> and, and those things, honestly, like just like I said, when whenever I got the little article in uh, My City Magazine, that means more to me than being on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I because, love that because I love anything that's a little more homegrown and something oh, yeah. that's been around for a and little while. You know, while. Ellen put a lot of work into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just you know, like something out in Croatia that means a lot more to me than than Rolling Stone does. It, it might Agreed. not be prestigious or anything, but this is somebody that's doing it because they they love it, not because exactly. they're making a paycheck. That's why we've been doing, and, and that's why um, we've reached out to so many podcasts. Because what you do, and what a lot of these other people are doing, is the same thing. Where they're putting their free time into this. Yeah. And, like, why not be sending your stuff to people like that? And we basically send out care packages. We send out all kinds of stuff that they can give away if they want. Yeah. Like, I think we sent the record and the, the new album and then, like, a bunch of koozies and buttons. and Just, like, you know, being like, thank you. Yeah. Because that's hard work. Like, this is your free time, you guys. <laughs> like, here it is a Sunday evening when you could be doing something, like, better than talking to me in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I tell bands, you know. I say, this will take, you know, depending on what we're doing. Like, if we're doing just, like, a release thing, like I did with True Lilith a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. You know, this might take 30 minutes of your time or an hour of your time. Or, you know, a longer interview like this, a couple of hours of your time. And then I'm going to put like six hours of my time into it to put something to together it, that you can use to right, promote yeah. your own band. So it, take advantage of that because people we're, we're out here and people that, that love music that, and not people like me, not everybody plays music like I do. Yeah. Um, some people just do this as because they're music fans 
and, and really take advantage of that because that's super, yeah, we see, need that's to do what that. <laughs> that's why we decided that we wanted to not just be like, here, we want you to play our stuff. We're like, here, let us send you a bunch of stuff yeah. and say thank you because, holy crap, man, you're doing something that I wouldn't want to spend all my time. <laughs> you know, we put a lot of time into our bands. I don't know how you guys can do I mean, that probably makes it harder for you because you already have enough time that you're putting into your own band. And then all the effort you're putting in for all these other bands, you're awesome. <laughs> well, like, I just so, so I work and I have Van Huskins and I do this, and that's that's my life right now. That's <laughs> so, a good life. That's a good life. Luckily, I don't have any a lot, other distractions. <laughs> but a lot of people out there that love you for doing it, trust me. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun for me. Even even the editing part of it that sometimes gets to be a little bit tedious. It's, it's fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> We, we could probably talk about what's next for No Anger Control, but everybody's kind of up in the air right now, I think. You know, we're all it writing is. music. We don't really know what's going to happen with the next shows. Um, I think you've heard a lot about, like, you know, like I said, we're pushing all this stuff out. We, we've got our stuff on some compilations coming mm-hmm. out now. Um, I, I feel like it was the rep that we actually get some of our merch from. It was like, hey, I'm putting out a compilation, yeah, and I'm going to be sending it out with all my merch and stuff. And I was, Jason was like, yeah, put us on that. Yeah. And then we've been sending out stuff to podcast, and we're working on new material. Yeah. Like, that's what, what our big thing, even if we don't play shows right away, because, you know, we're kind of, like, a little iffy about that. We're saying. It'll give us time to get together and work on this new material that we've been writing during this time, so. And honestly, I can't stress enough how, how bad I feel about that, the fact that we're not going to be one of the first ones out there to be like, hey, give us a show. Or that I'm not oh, going to be one of the first. <laughs> or that I'm not going to be one of the first ones out there up in the front row with my fist raising the air because exactly. I just I just don't feel comfortable yet, and until I do, I'm going to have like a full like mummy body wrap going on. <laughs> <laughs> Use a penis until they breathe There we go, it's yes 
Mike, you are a blessing to us all. I hope you know that. You are too, Tiff. And I love you, you so much. You're, you're awesome. I love you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad that, that our bands got on, got on so well and that, that we've been become friends. And Oh, we are most definitely playing shows together. Yeah. This, <laughs> what, what, what remains of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But before this year is over with, hopefully we will play a show together. We Punk will. Rock Picnic or whatever it is, we'll, we'll do something. We will. Right. Yeah. Almost oh, definitely punk rock picnic. Oh, definitely. This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt media production.